Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. We welcome head coach Steve Clifford on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate you hopping on here. And with this Cornucopia event going on, what kind, what does this mean to you and the team to be able to contribute to the community like this? For me, this, I think this is our best event. You know, to uh, have this type of interaction with you know people coming in and and. Uh, you know, the, the players, I think, enjoyed this one the most. Um, you know, it just makes you feel good. You know, people are happy. Um, they're able to, you know, through the great donations from the d- various people, they're able to get, uh, you know, help their Thanksgiving be a little bit better. And just a lot of fun and a lot of good vibe in the building. Uh, what I want to know is this, whether it be here or whether you're out and about in the public eye, how many people, whether they're rolling through the line or whether they see you, try to give you some advice on how to coach the Charlotte Hornets or in basketball? And what would be a really interesting question, if they do give you advice, how much have you actually considered it? Like, you know what? It's been a good idea. <laughs> I think that happens uh, no matter what level you coach, uh, where you live. You know, my dad was a, was a high school coach. When I told him I was going to coach, he said, just remember one thing. If you're looking for everyday affirmation, do something else because that's not what coaching's all about. Coach, I got to ask you so far with the way the season's been going, what's your assessment on where you thought this team would be at this point? Um, well, I'm disappointed in the record, you know, because, you know, you always want to get off to a good start. Actually, we've made, you know, really good games on offense. Um you know, but we haven't defended, you know, the way that we need to. Um, to be honest with you right now, I mean, we're shorthanded. You know, le- you know, yesterday was hard, um, particularly when Brandon went down. And uh, injuries are always part of, of this league. But unfortunately, you know, we've already had more than our share. And, and, and that's a factor right now also. Coach, you got to be excited, though, with LaMelo Ball. 30 points in three of his last four games and at least 25 points in a career best four consecutive outings. We know that he was trying to get his bearings back, coming back from injury, and it looks like he's back in a major way and ready to really be able to contribute to this team. I I think he's been great, and, you know, he worked so hard all summer, you know, to rehab. He did whatever he could on the court, and, you know, now he's, like you said, he's getting his rhythm. He's getting into good shape. Um, And yesterday, was to me, was his best game. You know, they're really good defensively. Uh, and his pick and roll game yesterday was, you know, elite. 
It's Steve Clifford joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline here at the Spectrum Center for the 13th annual Cornucopia event. Got some bad news yesterday in the second quarter. Brandon Miller suffers the sprained ankle. Any update on Brandon Miller at this point? He wasn't able to practice today, but, uh, you know, he did treatment and everything, and, and he is. He's not in a boot or anything like that. So, uh, you know, we'll see tomorrow when he comes in how he feels. And, and uh, obviously we want to be smart about it, but, but uh, he said he feels a lot better today. He's a huge part of this team. I mean, you've been playing him quite a bit. He's been helping out, certainly offensively. The mid-range game has been very good. The three-point shot not falling until we got to see it a little bit yesterday before he went out. What's made him so impressive to you and why you're playing him so much? Because this is a rookie. Hard to make that transition, yet here he is doing yeah, it. Yeah, he doesn't play like a rookie. doesn't practice like a rookie. Um, you could see it even in September, you know, when the guys were doing optional workouts, playing pickup games. I mean, he He's, he's got high IQ. He's got great positional size. Um, and you know what? He's going he's gonna to shoot a good percentage from three also. I do think sometimes early in the rookie year, the line is significantly different than college. But um, he works hard at it. And uh, now he has a chance, obviously, to be a terrific, terrific player. Now, one of the concerns that I had about him coming out of college was him you know, driving to the rim. I know the field goal percentage wasn't great at the rim, but it does seem like he does a good job sticking with it if he misses some of those shots, has had a couple tap-ins, offensive rebound opportunities. What do you make of his game right now and how it is compared to where it could be next year, offensive attacking, playmaking, whether it be secondary, primary, anything like that? Oh, I, I just think because of the, the kind of approach he has, he'll get better and better very quickly. You know, he's also... Um, at times our best perimeter defender on the court. You know, he can guard different positions. He's guarded point guards. He's guarded twos and threes. Um, I think that going to the basket thing is, you know, like a lot of guys in college, a lot of times they're taught in college more to play off two feet, which in this league doesn't work as well because it's slower. Um, so I think as he gets more comfortable making that decision, if there's a seam go off one, he's so explosive versus gathering and playing off two where, you know, with the size in our league, those a lot of times are blocked shots. Coach, I know as a fan sometimes when you have a vested interest in a team, you can watch him and you know early on, like, man, it's going to be this type of game or that type of game. And I'm interested as a coach, since you're around these guys so often, it's like when you're on the sidelines, can you tell pretty early in the game, you're like, man, it's, it looks like it's going to be this type of game or it's going to be that type of game. Like, how soon do you know what type of effort you're going to get out of your team on a given night? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and we've been better on the road than we have at home. You know, we haven't gotten off to good starts at home. Uh, on the road, we've been good. Uh, even last night, I I mean, Brandon went down. It was a two-point game, and the Knicks are playing well right now. You know, they've just had a week where they had two really good wins. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the thing you have to have the ability to do, though, is regardless of how the game starts, you know, if it's not good, you have to change it. You know, you have to have the ability to stay with it. I mean, the team coming in here tomorrow, uh, they're better than that year in and year out than anybody else. When I was here before, that was what I was most proud of. I felt like we were like that, you know. If things didn't start well, we would change it. Um, and we have that. I think we have the 
uh, I think, quality of people and mental toughness to get to that with this team, too. And then, Coach, with Mark Williams, offensively, some of the outputs that he's had this season, 27, 19, 21 in another game. Have you been really impressed with the offensive output that you've gotten from him, and is it what you thought he would be able to do coming into this league? Well, you know, I mean, Duke, he was really more of a defender, you know, and he never really scored much, but it's pretty easy for him. I mean, his instincts and some of his finishing plays around the basket, he makes look easier than they are. Um, I think he'll get better and better that way. I did have a question about the update we got on Miles Bridges. Court date continued to February 20th. You discussed him playing a significant role when he's eligible to return after tomorrow's heat game. Just real quickly, do you anticipate having him back in the fold this week? I, you know what, to be honest with you, tomorrow's four and eight days, seven days for us. And, um, you know, everything, right now it's Miami. You know, we got home last night. Uh, we got in early this morning. We're going to do the event, get right back. We are scrambling just to get ready for the game. And then, you know, we'll worry about everything else after that. Well, I did I want to ask, too, about Mark Williams. I know the going out, the five out thing, playing against the Nets, playing against the Wizards with Gallinari hurting you from the perimeter. You know, how much is that? We've talked about P.J. Washington maybe not playing as much center. You want to roll with the bigs, one of the five best players is Mark, you roll with them. How much of that has helped when Miles Bridges comes back? Do you feel a little bit um, do you feel more of an ability to go with PJ at the five so you don't sacrifice size at the four? How much has the, the going out five thing for the opposition? Hundred, no, well, I mean, it changes everything but there's two parts of that to me is so Right now what happens is when we when we downsize with PJ at the five, the talent level on the floor for us is significantly less. And you know, with the, all the injuries, you know, with Terry, with uh, Cody, with Frank, all those guys being out, um, you know, we have to keep enough offense on the floor, you know, so that's one part. The second part is, um, you know, take take Brooklyn, you know, when, when they downsize. If every time a team downsizes, you know, we downsize, I'm just going to say, and, and maybe this is a mistake, but this is Van Gundy, Pat Riley. you got to build a team game that you can win in the playoffs with. That's it. And so if you sacrifice a couple wins along the way, that's what they would do. And I believe in that. Like, look, you want to get to the stage where you're in the playoffs. It's not just making the playoffs. Can you play in a way that you can win a playoff series? Okay? And those are decisions like that. So, for instance, you know, downsizing. You know, PJ's a terrific player, as is Miles. We're not winning a playoff series like that. They can be a part of that. But the reality is we've got to get Mark and get Nick so they can do the things like they did the other night in Washington. They did a great job. And those are part of the things. I mean, you can do what that which is easy, or you can do the things that are going to take growing pains with a younger group to learn so that you can play against the best players. Um, so, I mean, that's part of it. You know, I, I'm, I just think like, I tell the guys all the time, you've got to have a way to play where, you know, you can have playoff success. And it's harder. And sometimes it takes a little longer. But otherwise, why are you doing it? Like, 
I don't want to be that team that gets to the playoffs and all of a sudden you got to change three things. Or, you know, wasn't, then you're going to get to a play-in game and get, you know, you're not going to be ready. Or get in a playoff series and you're not ready. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Final question before we get you out of here. In-season tournament thoughts, having coached in it the first time this past weekend. And how are the players responding to it? No, I think they like it. I, I think personally, I think it's a great concept. Um, I, I just think that I don't know if it'll be this year, but I think for the teams that get into the playoff part of it, single elimination tournament with the best players in the world, I think that'll be exciting. I think it'll be exciting for everybody, coaches, players, and fans. And I think once we go through it at once or twice or whatever, then I think there'll be more and more interest. But I think it's a great concept. Um, and like I said, I think it'll catch on. That's head coach of the Hornet, Steve Clifford, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, helping us out for this cornucopia event. Coach, we appreciate the Thank time. You, Thanks once Good more luck, to the Hornets head coach, Steve Clifford. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show... Good job. Uh, these kids won a game down by three with 41 seconds left. I mean, that, that doesn't happen in your life. That doesn't happen. And, and it was unbelievable that the coaches hung in there were positive and the kids. And, and you're so proud of your entire program that they were able to do that because it, it, it just doesn't happen in many places in the country. And, and uh, it's, it's what you want. If you talk about toughness, you talk about character, you talk about culture, you talk about confidence. These things are hard to do. And, and I'm just so proud, even when they got in overtime. Uh, we weren't playing very good defense at the time, and they found a way. And that's what we said. I want 100% of their effort, and I want them to find a way to win. And they did both. Talking after the game, listen, I get it. It's a rivalry game. It was emotional. You did fall down a couple of times in the fourth quarter after having a double, a 12-point lead at the start of the fourth quarter. I, Mac Brown, I feel like he's a little overboard with the, like, you guys are, especially with Riley Leonard not playing. Like, the game probably shouldn't even be close. You're at home. <laughs> Mac Brown is doing a little bit of, uh, you know, oh, shucks, what a win, what a gutsy win by the boys. And it's just like, you know who is gutsy? 
You know who is well coached is Duke with a third string quarterback to be in that football game. They'll fight back from 12 points down. You have a guy that might be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft making play after play at quarterback. It's just, I don't know. I, the tone of that Mac Brown comment. And I'm not trying to be mean to Mac here. I get it. He's happy. They want a thriller between rivals. But to me, Bone, Duke was the one that was the little engine that could that fought back from 12 down that had Loftus at quarterback, a kid that had seven completions in his previous in, in, in his previous start, for God's sake. Was, sakes, was he more excited about the win or that they avoided what would be another oh, much yeah, discussed be true. loss? Because in what was probably what was Drake's final game? That's that was, that's what I think that the was, was very similar in nature to how they've lost a lot of games in Mac Brown's stint too. They got out to an early lead. They couldn't really put the, the nail in the coffin. Duke's defense a part of that, but they you could see it developing within the game where it was just field, when teams have to settle for field goals that many times in a row, it'll often come back yeah, and get you. That and was it, the and key. It, and it almost blew them out. I, I, I hate, and I, I'm being true here, you know me, I hate referee talk radio. I've said it forever. I don't love it, but I don't know how we avoid talking about some of those calls that went against Duke. I don't sit here and have my tinfoil hat on and think that the referees were actively trying to screw Duke. I don't I don't believe that. But there was a lot of calls that just went against Duke in that game that's kind of like, really? They're already up against it anyway. They're on the road. They're playing the best quarterback in UNC history. They're battling. They're, they're up against it. And yet it felt like every call down the stretch just went against Duke. Do you think the Duke lost the game because of the refs? Was that the number one factor? It was a factor, but also Duke had them down at the end. And much like Notre Dame and some other games along the way under Mike Elko, they just couldn't finish the deal on that final drive. It was still right there despite a lot of stuff that happened. They were right there to get one final stop at the end, and they couldn't do it. So I put it on that as well. But certainly the big elephant on the field here is that there was calls that went against them. Like Regardless of it's, whether or not it had the ultimate impact at the end, there's a number of calls that – we can debate here. Like, did, what, did you start that with face the, mask call was I, a bad one too that people don't talk about. It a lot. was, and it would have been third and ten. That was late third into the fourth. That drive, it would have been third and ten from the thirty-four of Duke, but it, that gave them first and ten at the Duke nineteen. Mm -hmm. They went on to score a touchdown. Yep. But again, I and think at night when think, they couldn't score touchdowns easily. I think, the, the, and, and, and that's true. They they would have if they punched if they converted in the red zone the first half. The game would have been over. It would have been over, and they and and so they. That's on Carolina. I think Drake May is the number one reason the Carolina won the game. He's superhuman. He's un nah, he's unbelievable. You can't stop him. He needed what forty seconds at the end, and was there any doubt he was going to get him in field goal range? So like, I think that's the number one reason. If we want to go to a number two reason why Duke lost the game, I think we can start talking about the refs, uh, like the two point conversion. Carolina's two point conversion uh, should have been a penalty. Now maybe they get maybe they move them back. They get it. They get it the next time. But you don't know. And the then Duke hold, fails on their two point conversion. The, the hold on Duke's overtime drive that you looked at the replay, much like the face mask. And again, th those calls happen all the time against teams. But it was just when they happened in those moments. The miss face mask or a face mask call it happens all the time. It just felt like every one of those calls in that game was massive to Duke because they didn't have a lot of room for error in the game. <laughs> our guy, M uh, our guy, MHB bone Tar Heel refs has been a term for 55 years. Brian says, I didn't know Tar Heel refs also applied to football. <laughs> this texture says, let's see what Mac Brown has 
to say after the Clemson game. Yeah, I don't know if I feel great about Carolina in that game in Death Valley next week. And I don't know if I feel great about their game against State, to be honest with you. But they got this win. And, and listen, guys stepped up. Walker was amazing. Hampton, like Flounder said. Nesbitt made plays. I did think the Nesbitt catch, though. I can understand why that was ruled a catch bone because simultaneous possession goes to the offense. And yes, eventually the ball gets wrestled away from him, but I think his butt had hit the ground. I think he had not only one, but two cheeks down. Um, Double bunch? While they were still fighting for it. And then after that, they roll over and then he takes it from him. I don't get, but, but you brought up a good point. The fact that your refs are already struggling in that game, missing some calls, and that one doesn't get replay reviewed. That just leads to Duke fans. Like, I've got a Duke fan on the text line saying, Mac, you, who do you think they wanted to, to win that game? The team that is ranked or the, and, and has a superstar quarterback or the, or the team with the third string quarterback that's little old Duke. So that's the thing is, even if that call was right, you you if you... When you don't review it, it's gonna it's gonna lead itself to things that's, like that. Being that's, said, that's the problem. It leads to angst. It leads to stuff like this. Where if Mac, if they go over there and review it, and they, then they they deem it a, a uh, buns down situation, <laughs> then I, I you know what I live with the, the fact that they went and looked at it, they reviewed it. But of all the calls in sports that we see reviewed, especially in the ACC at the college level, we just did a Tez Walker one right before that. That was pretty. That, obvious. that was a waste there of was, our time. That was a waste of time. This one would have at least made sense. No one's going to complain about this one being looked at. Go look at it. If you view it the way that you saw it on the field, well, then do that. But the fact that you did, Matt, could you imagine in a Duke Carolina basketball game, a situation that's a, a ball out of bounds or something that needs reviewing and it wasn't reviewed, What, whatever side you're on, if they decided, Matt, to not review something in a basketball game in this day and age, it would be the, the main story of dominant discussion. People lose their mind. This texture says... Just review it at least. Duke fans complaining about refs in any sport is delicious. Uh, Tommy says, shocking. Um, uh, we won the game because of the refs. Uh, we beat Duke five straight times in football, numerous times in my lifetime in basketball, and every time I'm pretty sure the refs did it. We didn't do it. <laughs> Some sarcasm dripping off that text bone, man. I wasn't listening dripping to it. Dripping off that text. It played a role. I'm not saying it was the number one reason why. I don't think you can deny that it played a role. And also, now, like if you're a Duke fan, you come away thinking, oh, my God, we know El- Elko's great, but how good is this guy? Yes, we worry about the future in terms of where he could possibly end up, but for this team right now, the fact that they were that close to beating NC State Wake and Carolina without Riley Leonard is a remarkable job. And keep this in mind to talk about Elko. Someone said, oh, all these guys are going to leave. What's Duke going to become? We haven't even seen Elko at Duke with his own allotment of players. He's winning right now with the vast majority being all of the Cutcliffe guys that were awful at the end. He's doing all this without a full recruiting cycle. What's going to happen when he gets his own guys in there if he sticks around? And that's the that, to me, is the major concern for, for Duke right it now. It is, it is. Carolina's coaching staff was outcoached, man. Chiswick's defense folded in, in the fourth quarter yet again, just like it did against Georgia Tech, like Flown was saying earlier. And, and, and the onside kick and fake punt were just beautiful, beautiful coaching by Elko. Now, here's the other thing 
And I'll go to you, Flam, because there's two things that people that don't like Carolina are saying on the text line. One is the refs handed Carolina the game, whatever. The other one is this one right here, unnamed texter. Uh, can we talk about the embarrassing storming of the field? You just beat a team with a third-string quarterback that you are better than and were a two-touchdown favorite over. Act like you've been there before. Oh, that's right. You are never there in football. Flounder, do what who, do you who are think? These, who are these fa people fans of? What, NC State? What Where do have you, they been? What do you think about was the field storm in Bear? I've seen, I saw a lot of media members taking cheap shots at storming the field in this game. Do you, do you I a, mean, you, you, got team, you got a team in a conference that storms the field after they lose a game because that's how lame they are. Like, I, I mean... <laughs> you talking about Clemson. Yeah, I don't okay. really understand. Like, who cares? You want to... It's the final home game of the season. You want it on an insane play at the, at the end. And... I mean, dude, it was it was Drake May's last game in Keenan Stadium. What's going to happen like, this weekend with UNC Clemson when all the fans are on the field? By the way, where were these same people? Where were these same people when Colorado was storming the field early in the season after they beat Colorado State, who they were double-digit favorites over? This guy says the field storming was embarrassing, but who are you a fan of? That's what Flounder's asking. Um, this guy says, uh, get, get those damn kids off my lawn. I never really get into the whole like regulation of courts. There's a lot of courts storming and field storming police out there now I, if carolina I, I storm the court in basketball that's pathetic you should never storm the court in basketball as at, for carolina like ever ever there is no like you could be duke by 50 and duke could be the number one team in the country and 30 and 0 you can't you, storm? Should, you should be right near the top of the country <laughs> too no that's the, okay well then I'm there's the complete, a there's a much uh, different standard i'm the okay all right you finally admitted you finally admitted that the football standard should not be as high as some Carolina fans try to make it. But anyway, here's my thing. They're college kids. They probably pre-gamed and had some sauce in their systems. They're having fun. I don't get into storming. I, I never knew Flounder had such anti-court storming opinions about at the uh, University of North Carolina. But um, they're kids. Let them have fun. I, uh, Let them have I, fun. Like, what would you do if you were a college kid? If your buddies all start running out on the field, looks like a party down there. Well, that's all it takes. You know I mean? it, it, it takes like, one person to run well, on the I, field like, and everybody's You're a following. college kid. You're not going to run out there? I like, stormed let the them have some damn fun, man. I stormed the court at a Charlotte game once when they beat Louisville because my ride was on the court. <laughs> I had to follow my ride home. I was like, all right, well, I'm not Bobby Lutz says, hey, Bob, what's going on? Bob, hey, how snooty did Flound just sound as a Tar Heel basketball mm, fan, by the way? Like, oh, there is no I'm going to tell you, if Duke ever stormed the court in college basketball, I mean, dude, their their athletic department would lose it. They should never Duke, UNC, See, Kentucky, Kansas, none of those teams should ever I, storm the court. I am so numb, Mac, to court storms and field storms. Every single Duke loss but Carolina, Duke gets, the court gets stormed on. <laughs> so I, I'm like, I, if UNC didn't run the field, I'd be confused about it. I just, I don't have it in me to tell college kids that have been partying before the game that just want to have fun that they can't run all out somewhere with their friends to celebrate. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that old yet. You're not a get-off-my-lawn guy? <laughs> no, Flounder apparently wants every Tar Heel basketball fan to hell away from his precious lawn. <laughs> but, like, I just, I'm sorry, man. If kids want to have fun, let them have fun. You know, that's kind of where I'm at on the whole thing. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Over 15,000 total yards. Oh! Steve Smith is going to go all the way. 16 NFL seasons. If you see this place, that'd be my school. Five Pro Bowls and countless memories. When a dog gets an x-ray, they've got that Steve Smith inside their ribcage. Steve Smith is on WFNZ. Ice up, son. One of the goats, Steve Smith Sr., NFL Network analyst, Carolina Panthers legend, and world traveler. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline uh, most Mondays throughout the season, but my, my guy's been traveling quite a bit lately. Steve, how you doing, man? You're back, you're back on in the States, right? Yeah, I'm back in the States. Uh, I went from Germany to Chicago, Chicago to Vegas, uh, landed back here in Charlotte uh, this morning about 7.15. Good Lord. They got you all over the world. That's that's crazy, man. But uh, it's, a, it's a good, it's a blessed life, I'm sure. It's good to have you back, yeah. man. And uh, we appreciate you bringing us perspective, clarity, whatever you got for us each and every Monday. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're a few days removed now, so I think some of the some of the fangs have gone back in, Steve. But Thursday night in Chicago and, and the ensuing show on Friday, not a lot of fun, brother. What'd you see Thursday night? What What went wrong for Carolina? I mean, look, you, you know, you have a team right now uh, who, you know, they're fighting. So that that's something that's always uh, good to see, right? I can't say that for some other teams, right? You look at, obviously, our opponent who we're going to play this week, uh, this Sunday with the Cowboys. I wouldn't necessarily say that the New York Giants are, you know, uh, some of their players are really uh, kind of fighting. Some of them are frustrated. Um, you know, there's high expectations, and just like here, there's high expectations. But uh, where the expectations and the actual uh, product on the field, sometimes uh, it's a mess, and that's where we are right now, right? And 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 so you got to evaluate everybody, look at it for what it is, um, and you know, and decide where you're going to go from there. So I've been asked this question by listeners. I'll get right to it. I've been asked this question by listeners a lot. And many of them have said, what does Steve think about this? Or ask Steve what he thinks about this. And the, the, wow. the, the, okay. the question's very simple, Steve. They will ask me. They have many times. KB, do you think that C.J. Stroud would look the way he does so far this year in Carolina? Do you think that Bryce Young, if you put him in Houston, would be having success right now? So I'll let Steve Smith, who's got a better football eye than all of us, answer that question. What do you think? Well, first of all, I don't have a better football eye than everyone. I, you know, I've, I've, I uniquely see it in a different way because I was had the honor, privilege, 
to play the game for a little bit of time. So, with that being said, do I believe C.J. Stroud will have the same success here in Carolina? The answer is no. Do I believe Bryce would have the success in Houston that C.J.'s having? Here's the problem. We don't know, right? When I look at the Houston Texans, and I'm going to just be gently honest, right? When I look at the Houston Texans and I look at their team, how it's structured, Noah Brown, balling, right? Nico Collins, balling. Tank Dale, balling, right? The running game, currently present. Defense, constructed, was already constructed really well already. I'm just talking about the Houston Texans. I'm not comparing it to the Carolina Panthers. Just talking about the Houston Texans, right? Their defense is structured differently. Ryan, uh, Nico Ryan's runs a different style of defense than Evero. And Evero is playing, is calling the game. Let me tell you something. He's calling, he's making a lot of calls and putting these guys in great position because this team a year ago was 4 3, 3 4. Different type of schemes, responsibilities, assignments, alerts, um, audibles. And so it's all different. To compare the two, right, is really what it is, is buyer's remorse, is we want to win so badly that we're looking at every situation, right? This is a name I rarely use, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has looked good. In Tampa Bay, has he not? Yeah. But C.J. Stroud, <laughs> C.J. Stroud was over there giving Carlton uh, Davis the third. Right? He had a tough day. That isn't Bryce's fault or Frank Rice's fault. That's just that's the luck of the draw. They wouldn't have. I don't know if it would translate, but all I can say is, whomever is playing for the Carolina Panthers in the twenty twenty three. Last 2024, the last game would be obviously in 2024 because it'll be, you know, January 2nd. You're not going to have four or 500 yards, right? And there's a number of reasons why that we talk about every week. And so you're comparing two different fruits. They're not the same. And if we're going to look at 10 games and say that Bryce Young can never play in the NFL ever again, I guess we could say Musa Muhammad was trash. Julius Peppers would not have, probably not be a hall, you know, a, a, a hall of famer. Like there's a number of things you can't judge. You know, the 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 word is, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover, bro. Stop saying that. Let's stop judging a book off a chapter or three pages in the chapter that we read that we already know now the future. Right? And then in myself, I was a special teams guy, right? People mention it. Uh, I got in a fight and got suspended twice. So that would say that I, I would not have 15,000 yards or 14,000 yards, 81 touchdowns, and five Pro Bowls because it was what I did my first, my first you know, 15 games where we were 1 in 15. So you, you don't know, right? It, it, it's tough because I sit here and I listen to people complain so much. But here's what you, and I keep saying it, you got to be careful. You got to be real careful because you, 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 you're sharting on the team today, and then all of a sudden, 
when they start winning in a couple of years, in 2003, all of a sudden you go, oh, man, we won't pick it. So you just got to be careful, man. You got to take it for what it is. And I, I think that's, and I always try to keep that in mind when we have these conversations because you're right, things can turn, right? You're just a few good decisions away from they, turning. They turn into today, bro. They not turning on Sunday, they, right? So you might as well, you so you might as well get that, uh, you might as well get that fantasy out your mind. It ain't turning this Sunday, okay? I'd agree with that. that clear. No, I'd agree with that. But I, again, I think as an organization, I got, I got people texting the text line like they're not going to be competitive for three, four, five years, and it's like, bro, that's not how the NFL works. It's not how it should first work. All, first, first of all, that shows a little bit of the frustration. That's the nice word I'm going to use. Okay. This team next year has a lot of cap money. This team also has free agency, and they have a draft. No, they don't have 19 million picks, but you can you can pick one player. That could take your franchise over the top. You can also make some bad picks that you also have to say, hey, look at the New England Patriots. Right? Yeah. Is, Mac Jones, is Mac Jones going to the Hall of Fame? Hell, he's not even going to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. So I, I'm, I'm just saying and giving people a perspective. I get the frustration. I'm not saying don't, don't venture frustration. But, man, I, I, think, I think Charlotte has to. At some point, settle in for this year and stop all of a sudden now making it where it's a death sentence. And the next the next five years, we're not the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, have, they're finally playing good after 30 years of putrid football. I don't think Mr. Tepper will do that. And I think personally, he doesn't have the appetite to go ahead and allow this team to look like the Detroit Lions have looked from in the 2000s all the way till you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, and that's a point, you know, people asked last week, you know, hey, is he getting richer? Does he care? It's like, yeah, he wants to win because it, even if you think the worst of him, it's much more lucrative to win than it is to lose. And yeah, I, I, and I look at look go. at when they put him on the Jumbotron in, in Chicago. Did he look like a man that's who got a couple of billion dollars? Who going, man? Yolo. <laughs> he, he, he was. He looked. He looked distraught, just like all the other fans. <laughs> right? He looked like he was upset. They're like, look, he. I'm. I know him well enough. He's going. Why did they put me on the jumbotron? We're losing. Get me off the jumbotron. <laughs> I'm sorry. As soon as you said that, I had this visual of David Tepper yelling Yolo at a party somewhere, and it just cracked me yeah, up. You think he's going hell? I got a couple of billion. I don't care. That's not him. No, I got you. Hey, can you speak to something real quick? Because you know, I, I follow you know a lot of these, these former guys, that, uh, a lot of film guys, and and I'm watching Brian Baldinger and JT O'Sullivan, and you know these guys yeah. who dive into the film for a living. They're calling Frank Reich's offense antiquated, old, predictable, boring. Is that a fair criticism? You you know what the film looks like. Is that fair? I, I wouldn't. Oh, I you know, I'm glad you told me what antiquated looked like uh, meant because I had no idea. <laughs> so I can I can throw that in as my word of the day. There you go. Here's here's what this offense is, right? This offense is a combination of what Frank has done over the years in his career as a player and a coach, what he believes and knows that's successful. And then you have Thomas Brown, who's come from Sean McVay, Sean McVay's offense. And here's the issue. I'm glad you asked me. The issue is these in-breaking routes, everything's in-breaking. Everything is into the hash, right? Inside, inside, inside. 
Well, Bryce also is an accurate and anticipated thrower. Well, here's the problem. When you got a young man who's anticipating based off his history of college, even though it's the SEC and ACC that everybody says, you know, everybody keeps talking about the ACC and SEC is the best conference, right? And they're this and they're that. Well, guess what? Not everybody in the NFL is from the ACC and the SEC. And so he's anticipating those throws where there were touchdowns to all these athletic dudes. Well, guess what they are here? You know what they're called? Picks, batted balls, interceptions, right? They're not there because we have to have some outside element routes that we just don't have because some of the players, that's not their specialty right now because they're also young. DJ Chark is he's a player, but he hasn't played, you know, high-octane football that you go, man, he's a route technician. Terrence Marshall Jr., he's not a route technician. The route technician that's on the team currently right now based on, based on experience, uh, based on track record, is the route technician, Adam Thielen, who's balling, who's 9 million years old, right? That everybody's talking about, oh, you can't depend on – they're talking about Adam Thielen the same way they talked about me when I was in Baltimore. You can't depend on the 30-something. Man, you can depend on the 30-something to that 30-something don't show up because some of these 20-year-olds are just figuring it out. Steve right? Mingo, yeah. Mingo can play. But his specialty is not running in-breaking routes right now because he's such a people pleaser that he breaks down completely in the transition. He drops his weight too much, which slows him down, which is why sometimes he ha- it's not a lot of separation, right? That's the football knowledge that I see. Can he play? Yes, but he's going to need an offseason that we'll get together and we'll talk about and do those things to get him to, to help him do that. Because that's the same thing Musi Muhammad did with me, Ricky Pro. There's a transition, a learning, and unfortunately, the fans are watching the learning process before their eyes. Steve Smith, always appreciate you. We could go on all day, but I'll let you go. Good to have you back stateside. Appreciate it. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.